Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast is recorded live from Studio WKRD in Greenville, South Carolina. This podcast is brought to you by our friendly local game store, Boardwalk, purveyors of fine games. Bezier Games, the new classics. AEG, we make fun. The Game Steward, your second chance at Kickstarter games. And Game Toppers, LLC, upgrading your gaming experience. Your hosts are here to help you sort through the cardboard commotion to help you find the diamonds in the rough. So buckle up, especially if you're driving right now, because you're about to arrive at the Tantrum House. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today we've got Will Meadows, Sarah Meadows, Melissa Delp, and Kevin Delp in the house. We got the core group ready to talk about some of the games that we've been playing, some of the events that we've been able to attend recently, and we got some interviews and other things going on in the show today that you don't want to miss. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you are having a great week, and I'm excited to talk about some of the stuff that we've been playing most recently. But I'll let Kevin and Melissa jump in there first. What kind of stuff have you gotten to the table most recently? Well, last week we played Mountains Out of Molehills. Uh-huh. We what? did. And I crushed it. Oh, my goodness. It. <laughs> you, just, just don't go watch that video. It's, it's terrible. It was, it was pretty great, actually. I enjoyed switching for that one. The first time I played, I did pretty well. But the second time... And I didn't do well. Right. This one, I was... I figured it out. Totally messed up who I was playing. So definitely pulled out the plate in front of people for the first time and crush everybody role mm-hmm. yep. that she's mastered so well. Yeah, I like the, my last turn was more than Kevin's <laughs> entire score. It was terrible. Mount Zedemol Hills <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. is from the op and it's a programming. I was going to say two dimensional, but it's definitely three dimensional. Three dimensional. You've got a board that you're moving your pieces on using programming, normal stuff, cards that allow you to move or turn. And then above that where the moles are, underground above the ground they push up mounds of colorful dirt and whoever has the mounds on the bottom gets to score each round and whoever was the last to push up some push dirt. up dirt in that mound and so definitely score. snuck in behind everybody else i did i just followed everybody <laughs> else turn. around the board and took yeah, over I, everything i wasn't getting the right cards number one which really helped me being the bat, there were spots, and then later in the game, I wasn't figuring out that I was moving the wrong mole. That'll mess you up every time. Yeah, yeah <laughs> programming for the the wrong piece can usually I'm like, I'm be detrimental. I was like, no, that's my piece. I'm like, oh, stink! I just <laughs> my can't. whole turn, my whole turn is literally just Running going into the wall <laughs> the whole time. I did like some of the things that this game introduced that allowed, and maybe these are similar in a lot of programming games, but I did like that the player who has the least tokens on the board or whatever however you want to say it gets to go gets first to select the, when they would like to go gets to, first second third fourth whatever the player count is. yeah the way they look at that it's kind of pretty interesting yeah if you're losing basically it's going to help you draft card you get to pick potentially get to pick first in the draft so that you get those cards that will help you move around the board a lot or decide to go last so that you can take Hop over other everybody. yes and follow everybody and take mm-hmm. over their mounds crazy yeah, I like the components. I like the box stuff. It kind of reminds me of... I haven't actually played Holy, I'll admit, uh, but it reminds, it reminds me you visually of, of the, it. The, the it, board, because it's two separate layers. Right, but it's totally decks. different game. Is it totally different? I yeah, think I like very different game. Both games. Holy's a little bit more area control, which I, I liked in that one. Okay. And this one seemed very easy. Like, this seemed like a family weight this type is, of game. Yeah, I would is say this is a little... complex? M- Not really. No. Not really, but I think this one would make more sense to kids yeah. than the Holy. The 
the way that the tokens get scattered on the board because mm-hmm. um, they basically you're throwing um, the powder. colored powder. Mm-hmm. It is a little trickier to figure out how that's actually going to fall on the board based on your card than it is. Oh, I'm just going to move two spaces forward. Um, that's easier for somebody younger to understand. I think it's definitely more concrete. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, because Holy has the kind of polyomino shapes that you're reproducing mm, on yep. the board. Yep. Speaking of Holy, did you guys get to play? So Julio, I don't know what his last name is, who designed Holy. I did play Dulce. Did you get to play it? Yeah. Yes. Weren't you there when we were playing it? I thought I played with Jonah. I don't know if were you there too? We, we did not play or? the same game with you. <laughs> okay. We did play later. Yeah. What did you guys think of that one? Did you already talk about that on the podcast? Um maybe maybe a very brief time. mention. Go for it, Will. Yeah. That one's really neat. It's a bingo style game where everybody has the same cards in their deck, uh, and then one person's gonna randomly shuffle their deck and pull out a card each turn, and that determines where what card everybody's gonna play in the game. And then you have three different actions you can choose from on each card. You can either place that card onto your board and use it to produce, and you're not going to actually produce, but in the future produce a specific type of good. So mm-hmm. you're either producing like peanuts or vanilla or coffee or vanilla, yeah, one other thing, mm-hmm. four things. Cocoa. Cocoa. Uh, or you can use the card to produce, and then any of the things that you've planted in the past you'll harvest on. Or you can play the cards on the other side, and they are a... Delicacy store? Tableau building game. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're basically building out different types of shops that will produce the resources you get. And so each of the buildings also produce on a different level. So you might produce like you might produce the peanuts or you might produce peanut butter or you might produce whatever the third level of peanut butter is. I don't know. I'm describing this very peanut well. Dust. But peanut no, dust. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it would be like peanut protein powder type. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like your resources. You can use it at the top level and then it'll degrade and you can use it at the medium level and then it'll degrade and you can lose it, use it on the bottom level. So if you can get cards out that use the ingredient on those three different levels, basically one ingredient you've been able to use three times. To fuel three different of your cards doing, and score points. With I was it. doing really well and I was like, oh my my peanuts are doing really well, but then no more peanut cards came out. Oh. So I was never, ever, never able to produce more peanuts, which really just sunk the rest of my game. I didn't realize at the very beginning that I was covering shops up mm. on my board. So I'm just like planting things all over the place. And then I'm realizing like, man, how are they processing so many things? But your board does start. Jonah with, did help me with that at the beginning. Uh, and, he, and he did win because of that. Cause I was like, Oh, that's, Oh, I'm totally missed that at the yeah. beginning. Placing your cards in the right spot, the way they're layering on top of each other is kind of cool. Yeah, and it's interesting if you put a card on top of a card that has the same type of field, then you'll get two of that resource. Yeah, double it up. Instead of losing it. Now this, we played a prototype. It's coming from, I believe, Stronghold Games. They de- they are bringing it, I think. It's Later this year. Going to Kickstarter? Or that I don't to, know. Straight to retail. Well, you'll hear more about that from Stronghold when we find out more information. But it's definitely worth checking out. Like it was... The gameplay, the play was very seamless. Like, I liked the smoothness of it. I liked the three-card purpose use. It's also the type of game where you could own multiple copies and play with unlimited numbers of people as long as you had... I think it's like a four-player, at mm-hmm. least is what it was currently. Right. It's sort of like Tiny Towns. As long yes. as you have the copies of Tiny Towns... Everybody you can, can play the same yeah. game. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. it was we fun. taught someone Castles of Mad King Ludwig over the weekend. Nice. Good job. And Did Melissa show any mercy? 
One of the new players actually won. What? Right. But we that, did. How is that here's, even wait, 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 here. possible? This is Melissa's excuse. Here we oh, go. We, we did do some coaching and a little bit of, <laughs> hey, you should do this. But he also and caught on really well. She couldn't take it. She, she just has to use some sort of little excuse. But like, well, we really helped him out. I don't know how they won. He did a good job. Yeah. He had um, a lot of yellow rooms and he had a goal card, a personal goal card for it. And it was one of the... Um, main goals for and he had a downstairs basement room that was giving him points for yellow rooms so he was he was able to like combo off of that very well he did he did a good job could you see it coming melissa or was it like at the end you were like what just happened i've never (laughs) lost this game except for maybe to katie once (laughs) (laughs) um he was doing pretty well throughout the game i believe we were coaching him pretty that's cool there's a couple times like you really just want to take this card or this tile. I think I think there was one tile I really needed, and he ended up oh. taking it with his second action. And I was like, oh. no. <laughs> Melissa took a couple of tiles that I needed, um, but yeah, enjoy. Castle's always enjoyable. Um, we also played last week "Voices in My Head." Yeah, from yes, that was interesting. Unexpected games, and we have a playthrough video of that on our channel. Yeah, what you guys think? Was it unexpected? <laughs> Yeah, actually it was. I, I had seen the box cover art. A lot of people were talking about it. The cover does look a little bit like Rodney Smith, um, which is funny. The game itself, I had no idea what to expect. Right. I liked the components, the little acrylic tables where you're the, – the theme of the game is basically like Pixar's um, – Inside out. Inside up. Where you're controlling – Inside up. Inside out. Inside up. No. Huh? Inside oh. out. Inside mm-hmm. out. I don't One know. One of those. <laughs> now I gotta Google it. It's uh, you're controlling uh, the different aspects of this guy's intellect. I don't know, like inside his brain, and try to help him make decisions. Different personas, and everybody has a different goal inside in the game. Inside out. Yeah. out. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> up would make less sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Up is a different movie. You're probably yeah, thinking I'm, of. I'm mm, getting she's mixing her metaphors. <laughs> yeah, we just Pixar's. talked about a bunch of movies, kids' movies tonight too, with Pixar. Sorry, continue on. Sorry. So you are personas, and each person has a different goal. There's a what's what's the uh, judge person? Prosecutor. The prosecutor is definitely their role is the only one in the game that's kind of known, and they are trying to prove this guy guilty. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in the game may have different goals, so they may be trying to prove him innocent, or they may be trying to like have a hung jury or something like that. And on your turn, you're basically going to add one of your influence tokens to one of the different types of actions that this guy can do, whether it's like hand and eye coordination or pros- mental Observation. processing. Yeah, and you're trying to have control of that area so that you can have so you can draw the card or get the effect or whatever the bonus is for that mm-hmm. area. And so there's you're- a benefit for being in control of those different areas. And you're basically trying to slide each other's discs out of the the influence zone so that you off the little table so that you're the only one having control there. And then over the course of several rounds, you're trying to get different jury members to give you a different vote for guilty or not guilty. Mm-hmm. There's some hidden tokens as well, so you don't always know which way a juror is going. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the course of the game, everybody reveals their cards to find out what their secret goal is and to see who achieved what they needed to. And there's some definite, like, guessing at what other people are trying sure. to do yep. and trying to hint, you know, like trying to get people to think you're doing one thing. So they'll kind of help you do another thing. <laughs> um, so it's like not really social. I guess it is social deduction. It is definitely. Well, I, I think there's some deduction. I would say social influence. Yeah. Social something or just deduction. I don't know. You're just trying to figure stuff out. You're not really trying to trick people a whole lot. And you're not really trying to necessarily figure out everybody's role specifically to see which team you're on. It helps. It does help. And once I knew what, 
the team that Sarah was on, I trusted her a little bit more as the prosecution side. And you can yeah. kind of share some information because some right. people know what those hidden tokens are. Larry was our, I don't know. Wild card. Wild card. <laughs> he was, I thought he was Who on knows what Larry was doing? Sudden, like, well, because he Did wanted, he, he wanted certain numbers of things and that does make sense later in the game, but yeah. Anyway, but that, and that's actually what makes it interesting is when you kind of think that oh yeah this guy's helping me out wait what what just happened why you just shifted the balance so yep. yeah that's neat very fun art very cool components very unique gameplay so I was talking to Melissa about this so I've played this a few times now and I've been prosecution and so I'm controlling the cards so I'm controlling what areas people are going to and I sort of can see part of the card and know oh this person's gonna get this sort of benefit. I find that interesting for my side. Did you guys find like it um, not discouraging, but um, did you guys find it like not? I'm trying to think of a word that describes stress. Like, did you guys like? like oh, that a, you had too much control. Is that kind no, of what or you're too much information? Um, I didn't get to play the whole playthrough, so I didn't feel like it affected me super greatly. I enjoy games where the person who has the most experience can play the game, can help everybody else. This one had that but i did feel like it's not really going to help me because his goals are not the same as my goals you know what my goal is right and so i knew like i am not really on kevin's side i want to help him a little because i want like one person to be guilty um and that's interesting because i was known and everyone else was unknown right yeah but you are deciding which areas will be um not scored, but which areas will have an effect? Give an effect and action to some So players. I was talking to Melissa. I was like, I wonder if there would be a way where everyone's role was hidden. Like even the prosecution. Yeah, and you probably could just randomly flip a card, right? Well, not like even randomly. Like, like It's almost like area control in that way, too. It's like, oh, if I control this, then I get to be the one pick to, pick, the card. to pick the one Ke- of the Kevin cards. was talking about maybe the prosecution um, cards and all of that travel. Like... Oh. Each person takes a role, but only would you still have a prosecutor role? Maybe not. How do you feel? So I think the main, because the reason for that question would be like when you play the game Mysterium or one of those other mm-hmm. games where you're like the narrator, mm-hmm. I feel like those games are slightly less fun because you really are like just teaching everybody else how to play mm-hmm. and hoping they pick the right cards. And this one, I felt like you didn't know who like who was going to win or how you were going to no, win. Like, I didn't you know. kind of were playing more than I think you do in some of those other games. Oh, you're definitely involved way more and playing more. I mean, I was I wanted a guilty right. verdict. Right. And everyone knew that. So I'm just wondering like there's one person that's definitely on my side and there's multiple other people that are not on my side. They know that they're not on my side. I don't know they're on their side. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, I wonder what the game would feel like if everyone didn't know if if you who, didn't what your goal what was. your what huge who your goal was so I don't know you could almost, almost even just deal yourself one of those cards and then have a different goal other than three sure. guilties or whatever maybe yeah hmm. interesting it's yeah. definitely it's definitely an interesting experience obviously you could shift some things up and play it a little mm-hmm. bit differently and have some fun with it you can always house rule it we could always house rule it I I enjoyed the parts of the game I just don't. No. I, I think you should play on the other side yeah, you at should, least once. You've only played as the prosecutor. It's a totally different game. It is a totally different game. <laughs> yeah, you should probably need to switch up and play one of the other roles. But prosecution, I've won every time. The prosecution rests. <laughs> Excellent stuff. All right, well, let's take a moment to give a shout-out to our sponsor. This episode, we have two sponsors. One of them is Grand Gamers Guild, 
They have a new expansion for Endangered available for pre-order now. And this is the Monarch Butterflies expansion. Endangered is a cooperative game where you're trying to save an endangered species. The base game has several animals and there are several expansions that bring in other ones. There are otters and eagles and tigers, lots of different animals. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and Monarch Butterflies with this new expansion. So take a look at... Endangered Monarch Butterflies from Grand Gamers Guild and see if that's something you would like to pre-order. Our other sponsor for today is Bezier Games and they have a game coming to Kickstarter soon, new maps for Maglev Metro. And we're actually going to have an interview later in the episode with Ted Allspock. Cool. Well, before we jump into that interview, let's jump into our Kickstarter conniption. Kickstarter Conniption! This episode will be talking about three games coming to Kickstarter the last week of March and the first week of April. Will, go ahead and start us off. I get it. What's going on? <laughs> All right, I skipped Kevin. Here we go. Uh, the game that I'm looking at this week is called Quest Kids Big Bads. Uh, Quiz Kids is an, a game that came out, I think, maybe two years ago, and it's a dungeon crawl for kids, and it's targeted at kids ages five and up. So it's a really fun, easy, um, mechanic-wise game where you have a large spread of cards out on the table, and you use your hero miniature to um, hop basically one card, one room at a time, and you'll either be unlocking treasures that are cards and uh, rewards in the game, or you'll be facing bad guys. And one of the things that the game encourages is helping each other to play the game. And so if you don't have the cards necessary to defeat the monster that is in the room that you're in, you can use uh, your kindness. You can ask other players for their help, and they'll give you uh, the cards that you need. And in exchange, you can give them a kind kid card, which will give them additional rewards that they can use uh, throughout the course of the game. This new expansion features some additional mechanics that help not necessarily mature it, that's maybe the wrong word, but help introduce some additional um, mechanics to the game. So in this version of the game, each of the players has their own set of dice that they'll be using. Uh, it adds some specific adventures, so you might flip over a card, and instead of it just being a dragon that says you need wisdom, courage, and strength to be able to defeat him, uh, it might say that you need to be able to roll specific dice faces. And then the same thing applies. If you don't have the dice necessary to, uh, if you don't have the faces on your dice necessary, you can borrow other players' dice in the game in order to use those uh, for your role, you do have lives in the game. And if you lose those hearts throughout the course of the game, you'll lose points. Uh, you do also have uh, a new character that's introduced in this. It's Flint the dragon. Flint the dragon. Dragons were bad guys in the first one, but this is the first ever good guy dragon. And he's going to join you on your quest. And then you also do have some big bad bosses that you fight at the end of the game before. Once you've finished uncovering all of the rooms in the in the dungeon, you six, you counted up your stars to see who had the best adventure. Uh, and this one, you actually do have to fight a monster at the end, and everybody will face off against him. There's cards that are played that uh, show what the monster's attack looks like, and then you have to be able to attack back. And based on your player count, whoever uh, you'll you have a different amount of damage that you have to do to the monster, rolling your dice and stuff in the game. So, just introduces some additional new fun. Uh, 
mechanics that it, you a, would find in a normal yeah, dungeon say, crawl. It's a normal dungeon crawl. They've added stuff to the game so that your kids can see that next level of what a dungeon crawl would be. We will have a preview of this on our channel at some point. Uh, we did actually get to play it the other night, and I was kind of surprised. Uh, our oldest actually, I think, enjoyed it the most out of everybody. I thought it was going to be a little bit too kiddish, and the, my younger ones were going to enjoy it. They had a fine time, but my oldest one was like happy to be almost the dungeon master. Like, hey, it's your turn. You need to do this thing. Oh, you have to have this many cards. That's and cool. so it was, yeah, they, they enjoyed it, and it, uh, it was a lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, check out Big Bads from, who is the publisher on this? Treasure Falls Games coming to Kickstarter soon. Yeah, that's for the Quest Kids, that yeah. expansion. Sarah, what game are you looking at? I am looking at the game Ptolemaeus. This is from Jacaranda Games. And this is a game based on um, the Zodiac constellations. So in the game, you are taking turns moving around the board and trying to observe the different constellations and then also try and um, observe planets. So you will have a hand of cards and you're trying to um, almost like ticket to write, I guess. Not, it's not ticket to write at all, but it kind of feels that way because you're trying to get the same number, different numbers of colored cards to match the constellation that you're trying to observe. Um, and then you'll turn them in to gain points. So there's an interesting mechanic um, in the game where you will be, um, the end of the round, um, there will be pieces that will move, and uh, those are actually based on actual star maps. Um, so obviously um, Mercury and Venus are going to sh- move much faster around the sun than, say, Pluto. So those cards are going to come up more in that deck. And so you can kind of anticipate, oh, it's not likely that um, those planets further out are going to come up as much. So it's not likely that this one token that triggers the end of the game is going to move to that space as quickly. So I'm going to hedge my bets and try and uh, stay at this spot and observe this area and and work on that. So um it's a, I would say it's a medium to lighter weight game. Um, and it has that ticket to ride feel because you're trying to gain sets of co- colored cards to do your actions. Uh, that's about the only thing that's similar to ticket to ride. <laughs> but when we played, we both, several of us were like, oh, this kind of feels like that weight of game. Um, but it has, um, the, the board has the different constellations and you're moving around it. So, um, that is Ptolemaeus coming to Kickstarter from Jacaranda Games. Kevin. The game I'm talking about is actually the expansions to Maglev Metro from Bezier Games. We're going to be talking to Ted in just a few minutes, but the six expansions um, are basically six new maps that add to Maglev Metro. Maglev Metro was one of my favorite games of last year where you are building routes um, sort of in a subway and you're collecting passengers and upgrading your board. It's got a lot of engine building going on. I really enjoy that route building with the engine building mechanic. Um, It's really um, what I really enjoy. Uh, The six new maps are monorails. uh, There's mechs. There's London. There's Paris. There's moon bases and Mars. We've already got the Paris map here, and we played the mech map um, a few months ago. And I just wondered, before we talked to Ted... 
What are you guys' thoughts on the mechs map? You guys remember playing this? Yes. Yeah, so the first thing I was going to say is, unlike some games where they just give you a new map, like Catan or whatever, like, not only are you changing the layout of where the spaces are on the board, but these expansions are actually adding a lot of additional gameplay mechanics, components, elements. It reminds me a little bit of Ticket to Ride maps. Maybe a little bit more so. Um the next one, especially like you, you're using these monorail trains to move through stuff, and you have passengers that you're picking up. In the mechs version, the passengers or the mechs that you pick up give you superpowers, and it like supercharges what you can do on your turn. But only one of your actions. One of your actions. No, only one of your. Well, action. you get one mech. You get one. You have mech. to choose, and you have like I don't know. There's ten different or so actions. things action types. So you're only going to supercharge one of those. So it, and then later in the game you can get you another can, one. You can you can get another one later mm-hmm. in the game, but you start off with one. So you're going to have to pick am I going to be able to pick up lots of passengers? Am I going to be able to move really fast? Am I going to be able to um care drop off passengers mm-hmm. quickly? So yeah. all of those different types of actions are going to have a yep. huge, and it's not just a little bit of a boost. Oh. It's like <laughs> it feels crazy overpowered. Yeah. But since you only have one of your actions to do that, it it's ends pretty, up balancing just fine. It's pretty amazing how that worked so well. If, and because it feels so, it does feel overpowered, which is great. <laughs> yes, it does feel so great. I mean, it is play. a pick up and deliver game where you're picking up passengers and delivering them. So deciding what you want to overpower in that is very important to the gameplay and. Um, it, every mech gives you a like special benefit or ability in addition to covering up all those action spots. Yeah, I would definitely say that um, sometimes in the base game, I have struggled to get my engine going, mm-hmm. and the mechs really help kind of spur you Boost. on and kind of speed up the gameplay i think mm-hmm. a lot so much so jonah had played the mech <laughs> expansion before oh, right. he, he played, played the original, the original oh, base game man. and we played the base game at tantrum con and he was like <laughs> oh wow i didn't realize how much longer it was gonna take me to do everything yep. because i don't have a mech to yep. speed yep. speed at least even if mm-hmm. just speeding one action oh, yeah. up it yep. was enough that it felt yep. very rewarding for yep. yeah the amount of actions you get. I haven't had a chance to play the other maps yet. They, some of them do look very crazy. Mm-hmm. Some of them look very beautiful. I'm very curious to see what the additional mechanic changes are on them. Because They're all going to be different. I, right, I believe they are. And then, of course, what I really want to do is just combine them. Like, I want to <laughs> play with mechs in Paris. I guess you could do that. I basically need mechs on every game from now on that I play. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I like about the mechs... Um, is the actual components themselves because yes. the board, your player board, you're insetting the little robots in your board. Well, the mechs actually like fill in the whole area in such a way that it like fits perfectly, right. which mm-hmm. I really find aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, and I don't know what to call those like insert parts either, but you add like a cardboard slide under that goes under your existing board. Like they've done a really good job on making it all feel very cohesive mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's it's a fun stuff. I'm going to be looking forward to all the maps for it, for sure. Well, let's hear more from Bezier Games about these expansions uh, to Magla Metro. So let's welcome Ted from Bezier Games. Hey! Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. 
Yeah, man. Thanks so much for joining us again. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about your sink or swim game. Yeah. Uh, lots of fun making a splash there with our uh, co-op. You like making that? a splash. Yeah, cheesy. Oh, I'm on it early today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'd love for you to give us a little bit of a recap on how all that is wrapping up and what that looks like. And then we definitely want to talk about some of the new maps that we're looking at for Maglev Metro. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, sink or swim. Um, it- very, very excited about that. That's in production right now. Uh, we hope to have that available uh, sometime this summer. But it is off being printed, and uh, it's looking good. We're incredibly excited to be able to show it to people live because it's one of those games that once you see it and you're actually even watching people play it in person, you, you really get what the game is about. And it's just so fun, so interactive, and so engaging. Um, so we're, we're really looking forward to having it available at conventions this summer. Cool. We agree with you. <laughs> we have you on tonight or today to uh, talk about the Maglev Metro map expansions. And Maglev Metro was one of my favorite games of 2021. And I, when I heard about these extensions coming, I just was like, oh, I'm so excited uh, about these. Um, was that like part of the original plan to have some of these? Or was that something that came after it was already in production? Well, the, the plan was to get you, Kevin, as excited as possible. So that I think <laughs> Mission accomplished. Achieving that, really everything else is kind of secondary. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was something that we looked at um, as we were developing this. Um, you know, we, it, the, the base game comes with two maps. They're very, very um, simple in terms of the differences between them. But mm-hmm. that, that one change that Manhattan has this hub where you can kind of uh, drop off all the different types of robots and you can change direction there, totally mm-hmm. changes how you play the game. Changes it from a very... Kind of a more, much more tactical feel with Berlin to a much more, uh, or I'm sorry, a much more strategic feel with Berlin to a much more tactical type of game with Manhattan. And that little change, um, we know from the past, you know, I've done a whole bunch of Age of Steam expansions and knowing that just little tweaks here and there to a game can really change how it works. And so, uh, you know, pretty much as soon as the, the those two maps were done, I started noodling around with other maps and trying to figure out you know, what, what what little things we could do that would kind of change the experience let, at, at the same time, yet make it still feel like it's a Maglev Metro game. Where did the uh, the whole concept for the mech come from? I mean, that that is such an uh, empowering <laughs> gameplay piece. Uh, it seems like, it, I mean, if, if when you hear about it and when you first play it, you feel like, oh, this is super overpowered. I'm breaking the rules. But then after you play with it, it's hard to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I think it, it acts actually during playtesting, uh, a lot of playtesting, there's always that thing where people are saying, oh, I wish you could do this, I wish you could do that. And then, you know, each one of those those things, we, we want to make sure that everything is balanced in the game. And so if, if one action is like the super action that everyone, you only have to max out this action because, you know, whatever, then that takes a little bit away from gameplay. So all of those actions that are in the base game were balanced in that you know what, depending on how you're going to play the game, you may put four things in capacity and three in pickup and three in drop-off because that's the way you're playing. But that person sitting right next to you is playing the exact same board, same time you are, and they have just, they're just leaving it like the, as, as it was, just one in each of those things, and they're doing just fine, and they're possibly winning because maybe they put more into track and they're uh, setting that up or into refill, and they're able to get uh, things on the board faster. And... As we do that, they're like, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. And that's kind of a cool thing to hear about, which is I wish I could do this extra thing. But the game is still working the way it is, and they're still having a great time. And so uh, next is a lot of wish fulfillment. 
And it's kind of that, <laughs> yes, I can do all this stuff now. So you put a mech in capacity. Now you can hold six um, passengers, not even just four, but six passengers. Crazy. Um, and you can carry them around with you at all sorts of places. Um, you, you put it in pickup, and now you can pick up things without having to spend an action. You know, just as you zip by, they just pop into your train. Uh, the drop-off one lets you drop off a neighboring stations that are connected to it. And those little extra tweaks are so cool. And of course, we've done that for all the, the eight different actions that you can take. And so now you want mechs in all of those, but you only have two mechs. So now you have to decide <laughs> where you're going to put those mechs in each one. And of course, now people are saying, well, I'd like a mech in each one of those. And I'm like, well, at some point, you know, the game is just going to play itself for you. You know, if you do all of that stuff. So. But uh, that that choice is it's a really it's a great choice of like when to move those mechs around and and to decide how you want them and and uh, speaking of moving around you put a mech in adjust and you have unlimited adjustments well for your robots and your mechs. I remember Will did that pretty pretty oh, yeah, well when yeah. he played it hopping in and out of that adjust as often yeah, as necessary yeah, and that can be really really powerful too so uh, yeah it's just it's a lot of fun and it's kind of that um, oh everything's overpowered sort of state. But it works because everybody has that option to overpower their things. But you have to choose what things are overpowered. And at yeah. what time in the game do you want to switch back and forth between, you know, the one, the, the track, one that lets you remove every piece of track you want to and it, as part of your action. doesn't cost you anything extra in addition to building your four tracks each turn. Um, moving, you know, to have unlimited uh, amounts of moving to move as far as you want to on your track. Those are all such cool, fun ideas. And uh, once you figure out, like, what's the balance? What is that thing that I need? You know, you don't really need it, but I really, really want it. Uh, that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> it is. It's great. So besides the mech, which is obviously our favorite. <laughs> Will's favorite. Will's favorite. <laughs> what, do you have another favorite? What 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 are the other maps bring in that you're most excited publisher? about? Will, like, it's like yeah, yeah, 100% babies. you it's can. Like he definitely has a favorite, favorite kid. Oh, yeah. No, well, you know, just, just like, you know, we have two kids. One of them's clearly our favorite. You know. The, right, exactly. You know, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> Right, you um, still love them both, but yeah, yeah. See, pets, <laughs> kids, games—it's all. There's, there's one of them you like more than the others, and and whatever. Um, but I think for for the maps as they are right now, as far as the six maps that are out, I'm gonna put London and Paris off to the side because I didn't do those, and I I really like both of them. Those are those are Dale Yu. Um, he's the developer that works with us on a lot of things like Maglev and Suburbia and Castles. Um, he did those maps, so I'm gonna put those off to the side because I I really like. London a lot, but I'm just going to focus on the four that, that I, I worked on. Uh, so okay. the two we talked about, we talked about mechs and monorails, uh, those together. And then we have um, two others, which are really weird, moon, moon bases and Mars. And yeah. of those, moon bases is the one that I find, for whatever reason, really drawn to. Um, there's something about the the one aspect of it has this, this lower gravity where each of your moves are four spaces to start with. So without putting any four passengers in your move action, you still get to move four spaces of your, for your train. So you only have to put like two of them in there and you're pretty much set for the game and you can move. However, you don't have any breaks. You have to actually get yourself breaks. Otherwise you skid <laughs> all the way through to the end because there's nice. physical gravity. So That's you've got to put a little thing in there. And the fact that you've got these uh, four moon bases and each player has their own moon base and that's the only place you refill. And so you have to figure out, okay, um, you know, I have to go back to my moon base to get it, which is not too much of a problem now that you can move further. But that's the only place they can be. It can only store four of them at a time. And other players can access your moon base. So while you mm. can refill there, other players can kind of jump in there and try to snake away those cool passengers. And 
that. And it's got this very cool little double um, station in the center that can be, um, you can drop off uh, different colored um, passengers and just a bunch of other little things like that, that I think it adds, for me, it has much more of a, the most strategic feel of all of the, the new maps that are there. It's something that you're really, if you try to plan a, a far out in front what you're gonna do and uh, try and uh, then execute on that. And for me, that's super compelling. Again, I'm having fun with all of them, but the moon bases one is the one that I really, really just find super compelling and interesting um, because of those, those little changes that, that happen to it. Cool. So those are both coming to Kickstarter. Give us uh, the quick rundown on the campaign. What are the dates? How long can people find it? What uh, what can they expect to see actually on the campaign page? Yeah, so uh, it starts on April 5th, which is uh, about a week and a half from now, from when we're recording this. And um, it'll be, it'll have, there's six maps total. And all six maps, <clears throat> uh, it's three double-sided maps. So you've got uh, mechs on one side and monorails on the other. And then you've got moon bases on one side, Mars on the other, and then London on one side and, and uh, Paris on the other. And uh, they're recessed, <clears throat> excuse me, they're recessed just like the original maps. And cool. in addition, all of them come with additional pieces. So like mechs comes with these cool little mechs that take up three spaces on your They are your, pretty cool. Um, actions. Yeah. That's this is like the big, hefty-looking mech guys. That, that's kind of awesome. Um, uh, the opposite side, monorails, that comes with uh, VIP passengers, so special passengers that are wild passengers that can go anywhere. Um, London comes with these this really cool London extension because you totally change how you unlock things. Instead of unlocking passengers, you unlock districts, and you have a new board for that that's on top of your player board. Um, both uh, moon bases and Mars come with little extensions that you put. You cover up some of your existing actions and modify them slightly. So they all have extra pieces in addition to the new map, which is cool. And if you buy all the maps together, you get a whole new set of passengers. So all of the passengers that came with the original game, you get them. But now you get them when they have little screen printing on them. So each of your robots Ooh. is going to look different. Each of your passengers has a different little outfit. Um, and so that's kind of cool, too. That's an extra little bonus if you buy it together like a big box set. And I assume the big box set also comes with the base game too. You guys are selling that as part of the yeah, campaign they, well, as well. People can get the base game. If they don't have it yet, they can get the base game and the box set together as, as one thing if, if they haven't picked it up yet. Excellent but they stuff. already have it, Will. They're just... Right, right. right. They're adding to you, of <laughs> They're course. They're adding yeah. to it. If they want another copy, that's fine. Yeah, we, we have no problem giving them another it's copy a deal. just in case. Cool. That's fantastic. So that's coming up uh, probably this week, right? When this goes live? Um, eh, eh, soon, soon. Soon. Who knows when this is being published? When this goes live. Ryan. When this goes live. It'll be coming soon. April 5th. Definitely look for that. My next question to you, Ted, is um, about Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Um, the the team here loves castles, and I know that there was a Kickstarter for it previously. How's the production on that coming? That for the Collector's Edition. Much- yeah, that's going much slower than we had won. I think we originally wanted it by the end of last year. But uh, this has been part of its COVID, part of its supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it is this is the, one of the most complex things we've ever done. Uh, the The board, it's, a, it's again, it's a recessed game board. So the, the scoreboard where you put your towers yep. and you put all your stuff, it's recessed. And it's a cool like board that's... Uh, you can orient one way that's kind of this long horizontal way, and you can also flip it over and have it more square. And that seems like, oh, that doesn't sound too hard. But because it, the both sides are recessed, there's all this weird kind of cutting and making sure that everything worked. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have a puzzle cut fit like uh, Whistle Mountain does or any of the other games, or even Magma okay. has, where they, they fit together. Instead, you use the plastic containers that hold your, your tiles and your, your cards. Right. That's what locks the board together. 
And so all that stuff has to fit perfectly. And it's kind of, it's been this giant engineering feat and that has taken a little extra time in order to get it exactly right. Cool. Um, so, so we're looking at having that out. Hopefully within the next three months, um, it'll start going out to Kickstarter backers and we'll have it available. Right. We'll have extra copies available for people who, who miss the Kickstarter. Cool. I know, um, like I said, it's one of our favorites. Actually, we just introduced the base game castles to some new friends of ours and, uh, they actually, uh, beat Melissa, which is crazy. This is unheard of. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, they had, they had a really good, um, uh, food, food, uh, room, um, thing going with, you know, getting those extra turns, but then their secret gold cards and the other gold cards. And they had a basement room that had the yellow. So, I mean, they were just building off of that and they did pretty good. Is Melissa going to change her strategy as a result? Uh, this really depends on all the gold cards and things like that. So. Is Melissa ever going to play with them again? I guess. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. We are, of course, it's always enjoyable playing. Um, it comes down to that final scoring sometimes. It's like, whoa, you just got 30 points. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, that's great. Super fun. So obviously it sounds like you guys are going to be at a couple of conventions. Where can we expect to see you this year? Yeah, we'll be at all all the big conventions. Um, you know, we'll be at Origins and Gen Con and Essen and PAX, uh, Geekway to the West, um, just this weekend, which might not make it for airtime for you guys, but or no, next weekend is uh, Funky Town, which is a local Knoxville convention. Cool. Um, that's that we'll, we'll be at that. So Probably some other ones I'm not thinking of, but pretty much most shows that board gamers are going to go to, we're going to be there. We're going to have presence there. We're going to show off our stuff, and hopefully we'll have a lot of our new games for sale. Well, cool, cool. Hopefully we will run into you again very soon at one of those. Uh, I always got to ask, is there any other like top secret new stuff that you want to just you know tease us about? On the, I can tell you right now. You can? Volume 1 is the name of this Kickstarter, so huh. there is your tease. Oh. Huh. 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 Oh, that's, that's very clever of you to uh, infer, infer something from that. Uh, well, we have, one thing we didn't talk about was Cat in the Box. Cat in the Box is also a new game that's coming out this summer. Um, we're very excited about that. That's a trick-taking game um, based on the Schrodinger's cat sort of thing, except instead of having a possibly dead cat, you have a cat that you don't know the color of until it comes out of the box, which is cards in your hand, and that's oh, determines its suit. And All so right. it's, a, it's a very, very cool um just a unique trick-taking game with some area control mechanics thrown in. Um, cool. We'll look forward to covering that when the time comes. You said the summer sometime? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and again, right. everything is so just fluid right now with uh, shipping and everything else that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, excellent stuff. All right, well, man, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the inside look, and uh, best of luck with this campaign. We'll be excited to get our hands on the finished products uh, soon because this is, like, as Kevin has said, uh, one of our faves, so good stuff. Oh, thank you. I am super excited about getting them out there. Bye. Bye. That was lots of fun. Uh, It's always cool to be able to hear some of the inside stories and uh, history behind these types of things. So, yeah, definitely check out Maglev Metro's new map expansions coming to Kickstarter soon, as well as all the other fun stuff coming from Bezier. Uh, well, let's see, where are we at in this episode? we got to talk about Will and Jonah's, and Sarah's, and Chantel was there, too? She did. Yeah. We snuck them all so in. So all four of you. <laughs> uh, hey, we weren't invited. That's right. They were went to Vegas. We did. It was for, lots of it was lots of fun. Uh, I have in the past worked for Genius Games, helping them run their booth. It did that for them at Gen Con and Essen last year. Uh, did it as well this year at Toy Fest, which was in Vegas. Uh, it is a retailer show, so it's like business to business. It's not 
like a Gen Con where everybody comes and plays games, but it is uh, a show where a bunch of retailers all put up their booths and then other like store owners and hobby shops uh, come and check out all the new things that you have to offer and then, you know, make orders so that they can put it into their store throughout the coming year. And so I had the opportunity to go do that again. Jonah was able to come and join me. And so him and I ran the booth. We also got to hang out with Preston, who works full time at Genius Games. He's one of their new employees. And I believe he's going to be running a number of their shows this coming year. Um, and it was kind of fun. <laughs> give, us, give us a down and dirty. Come it was, on, Will. It was no Gen Con. Um, it, is, it is a retailer show, so it is a little bit slower. There's far fewer people. We're not actually demoing games and playing games. We're really just showing off new product. And so as Hobby Shop Joe from you know Montana comes up and says, hey, I'm looking for new stuff to add to my store, uh, you kind of give them the rundown on what you have. And if it's a good fit and if they like, especially in this case, science games and smart games and stuff like that, then... Uh, then you know you fill out some order forms and and you get them their games. So throughout the course of the day, it's a little bit slower. It's less energy. Uh, it was kind of neat though to run into some people because a number of other publishers and game companies are there. Uh, got to run into Dave Yurk from the Good Game Company. He hangs out with us at Tantrum Con and things like that. And so he was there. Um, some of the folks from CGE, Tony was there, and they had some other things going on in other places in Vegas. But they came to the show for a couple of days. And uh, I also did get to meet the new marketing coordinator for Haba. I, of course, can't remember her name. I'm sure Jonah would remember it, but we're going to shoot with a Cynthia or a Samantha. Probably shouldn't even guess at these things, but I had an opportunity to, to meet her and hang out a little bit at the Haba booth. Um, and then there are plenty of other game-adjacent type of companies there, so I got to see some neat stuff, just like new new toys that are coming to the market. Um, the Genius Games does those like human anatomy puzzles that are eight foot tall. They were surprisingly popular. A lot of people were interested in those. There are, I think, during the COVID years, uh, a million new puzzles came out. And so there were tons and tons of just wooden puzzles, three-dimensional puzzles, kid puzzle, foam puzzles. Um, there was lots of neat things to just check out at the show. After the show was over, somebody in our group turned 40. She's not going to claim it, but she did. I know, claim it. I turned 40. Sarah's 40. Uh, so we had a little birthday party action out there. Sarah and Chantel were able to join us for the weekend. Uh, they were able to get some cheap Frontier ticket. Are we talking about oh that gosh, experience? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, those tell are us great about the, stories. Tell us about Frontier. Well, we it wasn't our first choice, but tickets that weekend were like $700 extra and for usually, one of the normal airlines, which right. is not normal. I don't know if it was just so close to spring break. Yeah, what usually flying was. to Vegas is pretty cheap. Gas prices. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's lots of I things. I felt like we looked at these tickets way in advance of gas prices skyrocketing as much as they have. Because it was like a couple months ago that we had looked at tickets. And like it was like, oh, there's Frontier. Like There's not even a return flight from some of the airlines until like Tuesday. So anyway, we were we like, oh, it'll be fine. We can find. Chantel and I had nonstop flights. We're like, it'll be fine. Five hours in the most uncomfortable seat we've ever had. <laughs> if you haven't seen any of the like Frontier TikTok or, videos. Or Spirit <laughs> Airline TikToks, they are so funny. They're on point. They're exactly yes. accurate as to what the experience like, was like. The tray table, in, there's not a first class, first of all. Um, the tray table is literally... The it's, size it's, of your phone. It's laughable. I'm like, I don't know what the purpose of it is. It's not big They're enough not to put bringing snacks and anything drinks. Anything on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's a bad enough to put one of your arms on to like try and lean forward you know to it sleep. Is? It's some airline accidentally ordered the wrong size <laughs> and, had to and the Frontier somewhere. got the leftovers. Got, the de- got a deal. <laughs> it is funny. It's like, I guess it's just for your phone because you're not sticking anything else on it. Uh, but they were able to come out and join us for the weekend. And so we were able to do some fun birthday stuff. One of the Like what? Well, let me tell you. Uh, one of the things that we did that was that was good was we went and saw a Penn and Teller magic show. Did I tell you about this? You told me about the magic ah, show. I didn't tell about. I didn't tell the magic guy about the magic show. Tell I us. I did see a post and I was like, oh, Penn and Teller, and then we just didn't, you know, follow up on it. I didn't even know. Yeah, I'm yeah. starting off with this one because honestly, it was the least exciting of all the things that we did. But there was still some magic that was happening. It was it's because uh, of the actual like how he does how Penn and Teller do because they highlight other magicians. Is that what it was? No, no. it was mostly just because the other stuff was really cool. But okay. the things that were so they introed the show by saying like they've been doing this show for 40, 40 35 years or something like that. So their very first magic bit was them. Like the curtain opens and they're sitting in rocking chairs like old guys, but they're in straight jackets. And oh, so cool. they did a straight jacket escape in front of us, which is fine. It but just, it was literally just, oh, if I scoot my chair around, <laughs> right, then, it was like a literal escape. Then uh, Penn can just untie it. That yeah, was it. Like, so, so like a comedy. It was a comedy. Like, was a comedy. Of, but it wasn't like laugh out loud. It was kind of just like watch Teller squirm around a little bit. You know, like bend over so Penton can like bite the neck part and pull them out of it. I really thought the way they did the like he literally bends over in the rocking chair, grabs the, like bites the neck part, and then Penn Teller, whichever one doesn't talk, is like shimmying. And I thought if he shimmies and it's like a woman when he pulls himself out, I'm going to be really impressed. <laughs> and then he just pulled it off, and I was like, that was not impressive. So <laughs> Teller is the one that doesn't talk. He Correct. doesn't yes. tell. Yeah, yes. he doesn't tell. That's how I remember. He doesn't talk any throughout the course of the show. Um, I have heard he him talk. He did one that was actually really impressive. I, I thought. It's got and a very Chantel deep that, voice. Does um, he in real life? He had one where he had a big tank of water, and he was grabbing coins out of the tank mm-hmm. and then handing them to somebody. And he was doing a lot of sleight of hand mm-hmm. to where I picked up one and now I'm going to give you five or type of That's trick. Cool. But the last part of the trick. So it's like, just to explain visually what she's saying, it's like a big glass water tank. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a fish tank, mm-hmm. but big. Like probably a, like a ten gallon. Yes. And the goldfish. Yeah. That's so cool. the last one, when he... Gr- when he sticks his hands in, all of a sudden there's 50 goldfish cool. in the tank. So visually, you know tell us what you think. I can't tell you secrets. Can, magic. Well, can I guess? We've can, already like can you blink speculated. yes or no? If I'm right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I really felt like it wasn't real. I felt like it was a digital case. That's what Will thought. We no, it was definitely a real case. Definitely okay. real. Chantel and I thought there was some type of membrane or f- screen or something in the tank that You're hides the fish until close. the last. So close. The last little bit. Yeah. You're getting on. You're Sarah's warmer than Kevin's Will. winking yeah. a lot. I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> got something in your eye there. Something in my eye. But so, visually, it was visually stunning on stage. Yeah. Yeah, the goldfish one's pretty cool. That one was neat. But the rest of it, honestly, wasn't all that stunning. And that's really what I was disappointed in. Like, I wanted there to Will be Will wanted to be more like a David Copperfield show than... People floating, and it was kind of just two guys doing magic tricks. Okay. Which was okay. Cool. I feel like you could have given him a run for the money, Kevin. Nice. I a lot of yeah. I, I actually have been more wowed <laughs> you by some of Kevin's tricks than the Can you the memorize an entire show. deck of cards and tell me what order they're in? Whoa. Does he do that? He does it. He does. Okay. And he did it for like supposedly 52 decks or something. 
but no, he like, did not do it for exactly. Me. No, that's exactly yeah. that's called forcing the deck. Right. Okay. That's yeah. exactly where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was an entertaining show, uh, but I I wanted more. But I got more when we went to Area 15, which is a art exhibit slash mall slash crazy place this is in vegas it is yeah. okay so were the products on the shelves actually oh, purchasable yes. Were. yes it was crazy so that was one thing in area 50 so area 15 has like axe throwing and restaurants mm-hmm. and an arcade cool. and a yeah, like lots of a... lots of different cool things you can do inside of there plus they hold events so there was actually a alice in wonderland theme mm. Um, party thing. Yeah, they've um, got ice cream shops and stores. And one of the things that they had, I don't know if it's always there, but Meow Wolf, which is a installation artist company guy. I don't know. He mm-hmm. does like crazy visual experiences. They have his Omega Mart currently on display there. And it's the type of thing where you walk in and you don't really have any idea what's going on. And what you they walk you into nothing. is they, what Well, they literally like, like they handed us a little like grocery store scanner card mm-hmm. and like rewards card type thing with and the QR with a QR code and like you scan it and it was like, oh, you are one of our new employees. Make sure you finish all of your training. Okay. So then there were kiosks. You had to go and scan your card and like, mm-hmm. here's how you clean up spills. And it was like, obviously, um, some of like, like all of it was very su- and surreal. Super awkward. <laughs> it was it was very surreal but the cool. stuff. Yeah. So all the products in the, on the shelves are fake products. They're all mostly weird and disgusting products, but they look totally real. So there's a bunch of orange pop on the shelf in two liter bottles, but it's called like super cheddar cheese like flavor. Code cheddar. And pop. shrimp flavored Dr. Pepper. Like it just looks creepy and gross. They had like, like canned tattooed chicken and like (laughs) (laughs) like just bizarre stuff you walk into the produce aisle and there's like a watermelon and it looks like an infinite tunnel like you look into the watermelon and there's like glowing seeds and it looks like it just goes on forever and once you have like done the three initial training sessions that they have for you then and you could like cheat and skip in any order or whatever but then they like instruct you to like go uh refill the pop ice machine or whatever so you walk over to what looks like a normal gas station refrigerator full of pop but when you open it up it's doors into another world portal to another dimension and you walk through this like chilly little hallway and you can like hear the ice crystally sounds and the pop bottles start off like normal looking pop bottles but then they like start curving and like getting weird this is like hallucination trip (laughs) once you get inside it's like this magical wonderland of Three, crazy trippy three, stuff <laughs> yeah three story swirly slides that you can slide down and like technology rooms where you can see cameras that are all over the place and basically the storyline to spoil it all for you is that uh, the owner of the st- store has like ascended to the next level of consciousness and he's gonna like help you do it too so if you follow his path and you go talk to some people and you like hack some computers like you actually have to do some computer hacking which is kind of fun and follow the clues and do all the things and go to all these different areas then you too can ascend to the next level and it's just pretty neat there's a lot of like hidden like actually hidden doorways there's a display case downstairs that has a bunch of t-shirts in it and you know like when you were grocery store when you were a little kid with your mom at like jc penny's you'd like hide in the middle of the clothes rack i get in trouble every time but it was your favorite thing to do at the store you have to do this to get into one of the tunnels if you do that there's like a spiral (laughs) stairwell that leads you up to the thing and when you come out the door at the top 
you like close the door behind you and it's a bookshelf and you're like, Whoa, yeah, it was like a wall of filing cabinets. And then there's one where in the employee break room, like you literally open the locker and then inside is a door handle and it like opens the wall and you go into the lockers cool. to get to the next thing. So it was like super crazy fun stuff. It, the, the entire back section was basically an art installation piece every room was different and very weird but also very cool looking it was visually stunning yeah they had things like that you've seen like in ohio they have what's called a cosi museum and it's the center of science and industry and they have a lot of those like exploratory things they had some of those kind of built into these so like if you walk into there's this one hallway that just looks like an office building and each office that you walk into has like a different crazy experience. So there was like this laser harp where lasers are coming out of the wall. But if you run your finger over the laser, it like sounds like you're playing a synthesizer. Um, they had another room that had like crazy eye burning uh, strobe lights in it. And the one of the walls was actually like a projector wall. So in between every strobe, it would like cast your still shot onto the wall. So you could like time it and like jump and then it looked like you were floating on the wall and your eyes are like burning and you could like stay in there for like 20 (laughs) seconds. So question, have you, were there things in there like that helped you be more like, like, oh, that'd be cool to do or like inspire you in any way or just, just cool. Artistically, yes. Okay. And just the level of creativity, like... The scale for the, sure. It, yeah, like it was probably the inside was probably the size. It was three level, three stories, mm-hmm. and probably bigger than a gymnasium size. That's cool. It's um, a huge warehouse. Huge yeah. warehouse. The store itself was mind boggling because every single product was custom. That's awesome. I mean, right. it's an and entire small. They all had like everything. They had the I fake mean, it's nutrition a, facts, the barcodes, yeah. the product a, level design. Because yeah, you could actually buy most of the items. Lots in the of store. interns. Yes, something. And I think like Meow Wolf, their whole thing is designing those types of things. Okay. I have no idea how long it takes them to work on these types of things, yeah. but yeah, the products alone in the storefront, every single shelf, every single product. Maybe it's like um, the um, what's that card game that just automatically like. Pre-fills. Self-populates. Self-populates. <laughs> maybe, maybe they have some sort of program. Something. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. I think the whole thing is like them just imagining if reality was like this, what would it be like? Mm-hmm. Even funnier than that, really, like the levels that they go to, because there's a number of people in this space that like can help you if you need help, if you get lost and stuff, but they're all in character. So the people in the office are dressed like office employees, just mm-hmm. walking around doing work. <laughs> When you buy your tickets, you actually buy your tickets like at the pharmacy pickup window for the store. And the girl who were, or whatever the person was that was selling us the tickets when we got there, at first I thought she was like being rude. And then I was like, she's acting so weird. Like, just tell us that we can come back at 830, you know, whatever. And it was like, she was like, your interview uh, could begin at seven or eight. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is so weird. But then when you come back, you see on the inside of the store and it's like this person and two other people working back there and their like whole thing is like that they work at the pharmacy at the grocery store and they just happen to be selling tickets through this window. <laughs> like their level of dedication is intense because we did ask people for help. Like, hey, we don't know what to do. We got two of these things. Well, part of it was we were exploring so much that we didn't do things in the right order gotcha. for the escape room type mm-hmm. puzzle. 
And the yeah. fact that they only gave us one card, but there's four of us, so I'm like running around like swiping cards all over, and then I'm coming back. The and rest Jonah's of like, us are like, "What are we supposed to do?" <laughs> I don't know. I got three icons. What am I supposed to do? Now uh, you actually did an escape room. We did, did. that as well. Yeah, oh, okay. and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we I I we had a hard time finding cause when we decided we were going to do another escape room. It was already like late in the day, and we're like, "Oh, everything is booked." Well, we decided we were going to do dinner at Foco Day. Pancho. Poco de Chao, which one, is a yeah. Brazilian, Brazilian steakhouse. Steak very, very nice mm. Brazilian steakhouse. I haven't steak been to a Brazilian steakhouse since like 2019. Christmas party. I know, tour. I know yeah. Uh, so, and I don't think Chantel or Jonah, one of them had never been to one. And so we were like, oh yeah, we definitely got to go. Wow. It's going to be great. We got a reservation. And it was a very upscale one, which I had never been to. I've been to some casual ones, but not upscale. So we knew, oh, we got to kill like three hours before dinner. What are we going to mm-hmm. do? Oh, there's an escape room on the way. Check what was the out. theme? It was Mayan Ruins. And then they told us when we showed up, oh, you picked the hardest one we have. And I was like, oh, we're up for this. We play games all the time. And then it was hard. It was kind of funny. I was playing with like, they had some of those like, while you wait, like, I don't know what they're called, but like two bent nails stuck sure, together, sure. puzzle types of things. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like playing one, can't figure it out. I'm like, forget it. I put it back down. And the guy said, you guys are doing the mine one. You know, it's the hardest one, right? And I was like, oh, come on. I got this. Just because I can't do a screw nail puzzle thing doesn't mean I can't. I'm in there. We got this. Come on. So. Which we were the first group to complete the Boom. Spoiled room. it. We did awesome. it. We made it. Yeah. How many hints? Uh, okay. Well. This is a good, this is a good question. <laughs> okay. Well, they. Okay. We had. First off, I broke one of the props. <laughs> well, well. well and, and it wasn't even really your fault. He stuck a key into a lock and the key snapped off oh. in the lock. But it was the right key. It, it was, was the, the right, right key and it was the right lock. It, was it just, it was key. a very cheap key and lock. Yeah. Um, so I the, snapped it off and I was like, uh, help. Our, <laughs> Is this right? I we think needed, I broke it. We needed a, the very first hint that we got, I felt like kind of broke some of the understood rules of escape rooms. I Will was says fine with it. So in I always assume that when you go in and you could see and reach another portion that's locked, like you're not supposed to try and get the stuff out of that section. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like an understood like, and understood. Mm-hmm. But a piece of our puzzle was, was actually in that, that section that right. you could reach. Yeah, and it was it was kind of obvious, but it was just the type of thing. The, there was like a, a actual prison cell mm-hmm. inside the room. With a skeleton sitting in the corner. You know, I'm all about just reaching and doing whatever. Kevin's all about skipping the actual Straight. puzzles. You, you guys, I don't know if I told you this one. There was one where it was an art thief one in Gatlinburg where we had to find the stolen painting. And it was hidden in a bookcase. Well, supposedly you're supposed to get this magnet to unlock the bookcase. Well, I just <laughs> reached my finger in the little crevice and pulled where the where the bookcase like hidden oh, compartment was, and I just with... opened it up. And I already had the I yeah, already had piece the, of art, the piece of art with the code to get out. <laughs> and yeah, Melissa and Hannah and Charlie were like, we're still like in the co- in the like trying to figure out the puzzle. Oh, I'm like, I got the code. I'm leaving. <laughs> we're <laughs> like, we paid for this. We need to do <laughs> the like, puzzle. No, this is this is what they do. They're like, what? What are we doing? What do you got? You got the coat? That's what they were. They were like, what's happening? I'm like, I got the art thing. (laughs) That is funny. Yeah, this one was the type of thing where the skeleton was obviously visible to us, Mm -hmm. and he had a satchel on. The satchel was technically in the other room, Mm -hmm. but well within reach. We were just too dumb to get it. So when we asked them for help, they were like, you got to grab the satchel from the skeleton. 
And then as soon as we pulled that out, we were like, oh, figured it out. Figured cool. out the puzzle. Were some of the puzzles, like, did you feel like it was a good? It was good. It was yeah. good. One thing that made it very difficult was it was dark it in was the room. Dark. We had to use flashlights. Oh, that is. The so, whole time. The whole time. It was a little crazy. Was, the lights never came on. So it Weird. made it difficult because. That's an interesting idea. It was neat. I didn't like it at first. Because we walked in and I was like, oh, cool. We got to. your eyes adjusted, I literally got thought better. the first puzzle would be figuring out how to turn the lights, lights on. on. Here's a bunch no, of flashlights. Yeah. Five minutes in, I was like, oh, we're not getting a light. This is definitely <laughs> all we got. And my flashlight is like blinking. I was like, I got the piece of trash flashlight. I can't figure um, out this puzzle. And obviously, it's Mayan ruins. So there were like two or three wheels of nice. several layers mm-hmm. of. Um, ah, Zulkin. Yeah. Yes. I was like, oh, I played Zulkin. This will be great. No, it's not. <laughs> Nice. Well, actually the was. last I it was puzzle cool. was very difficult because you had to be in that other room mm-hmm. to get the clues to figure out the wheel and you had to spin it to, to line right, things up. Line up. Yeah. But the symbols on there, as you know, mm-hmm. what Mayan symbols look like, yeah. they like all look very goofy, similar. squiggly. Yeah. <laughs> very similar, like and ha- very hard to describe mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, it's not like Egyptian hieroglyphics mm-hmm. where, oh, this is a fish and this right. is a person and this is a hand. No, this is like a squiggly line. Of, line. Yeah, and right. it's like kind There's of like a weird. Is it a, a turtle or is it a cat or no? It's more of a face with like a beak. I don't know. It was it was hard to describe. So you figure so was that one was the last fine. puzzles was the it was so it was kind of cool. You unlocked a black light light mm-hmm. and then when you got the three levels of the table lined up. Mm-hmm. Then you had to like actually follow a line that mm-hmm. told you underneath the table, which, which number of dots or whatever to, to put into the final code. So it was pretty neat. I liked that the puzzles work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always the- like those. Yeah. So you had to unlock like five puzzles to get to the end puzzle that you used components from the other ones. So was, it was very like cohesive and worked together very cool. well. I liked that. Um, or not, I liked, I was proud of us for knowing almost in every case, like what we should do with the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It usually took us like three tries to figure out how to actually do it correctly. But one of them was kind of neat. I have not really seen this one before. There was a, a rock on a rope and the rope went to like this rod that mm-hmm. went up and down. And then there were like three different tables that were different heights. And there were and five different levels five, yeah. of like pillars that the rock could sit on top of. Like kind of think of like the weight in mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, like mm-hmm. you're putting a weight on top of these pillars. Okay. And so we figured out, we got it. We unlocked a little puzzle map piece and it showed us basically the order that we were supposed to like push the pillars in order. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we put the rock on it and we're like one, two, three, four, five. It didn't do anything. I don't really understand. It's moving up this knob up and down, but I don't get that either. We'll do it again. Hmm. I don't know. And then we realized, Oh, it's just cause it's super dark in here. This rod is actually like there's dots printed on the side of the board. So where the rod goes to, like, that's probably what the number combination is. Well, then, so we do that like two times and we're like, man, we are definitely doing something wrong still. What is going on? Fourth time through, like right before I'm about to like say, we need a hint. What is going on? I realized that the rock also in the dark has like an arrow on one side of the rock. Very and- faint. It, barely an arrow. It's just like a pointy so section the of the rock. Mean? The arrow was like, you had to make sure that the arrow lined up with the arrow that was on each thing. So that Which wasn't even an arrow. It was just a little line. Was there was the a little tiny length. one inch gold paint line mm. on top of each pillar. So once pillar. it was aligned, it all worked. Right. Yes. So in the light, I think you would have figured it out instantaneously. Like we knew what we were supposed to gotcha. do, but because it was so dark, we were like missing little tiny 
little tiny lines. <laughs> and it was like, ah, okay, got it. we got it now. All right, we're, all, we're cooking with fire. Um, there were a couple times where that type of thing kind of stumped us. It wouldn't have been a challenge if it weren't dark. It would have been significantly easier. We would have found the satchel. We would have found that. We would have done everything else much faster. Because it was dark, it was harder. However, the darkness made, like, I liked the authenticity. Like, if you were in an actual Egyptian tomb or whatever, there's not going to be electric tomb. lights anywhere. Tomb, yeah. Any tomb. We weren't in a tomb at all. But if it was dark, like, the darkness if added to it. You were in a it, Mayan cave. Couldn't have been a Mayan cave. Seemed like a Mayan prison. But <laughs> So, uh, how many minutes were left? Uh, two two or three yeah wow close. to the <laughs> wire yeah, yeah and we worked quickly it was actually probably it was just the four of you yeah, yeah. it was just the four of yeah. us so we that were is all true working. you could have had more people helping because mm-hmm. um, there were like four puzzles at the beginning that you could have worked on at the same time oh, but yeah. we were only doing two at a time i mm-hmm. technically opened the door with two minutes left or whatever however the, it actually ended when we finished this puzzle. That we is were just true. talking about it. And you got a chest, and I opened up the chest and poured it out, and there's a bunch of gold coins and a key. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. What what puzzle do we have left that we got to use this key for? Not realizing the key is actually the key to the door. <laughs> totally <laughs> at the end of the game. So we're doing like one final wrap-up, looking at everything, trying to figure it out. I'm like looking at the coins to make sure there's not clues, like black light flashing them. And then finally I yeah, was like... Yeah, we didn't pay attention at the beginning that like, oh, you win when you get the treasure chest. Like, right. we were just like, oh. <laughs> so then I was finally like, we probably oh, read had your a clue. Good... Read your clue. <laughs> oh, maybe this key goes to that door that we came in. Oh, it is. Yeah, we did it. And she was like, you have two minutes. And I was like, what? If you had told me I failed... <laughs> When I opened this chest five minutes ago, I would have been mad, but it was fun. Yeah, we're was like looking over the so gold said black light. No, no one's so. done this in a long time or something? Uh, at least that day, nobody oh, had beaten okay. it. I, don't, I didn't ask her how long, but... Yeah, they didn't really tell us how, how long it had been before somebody had beaten it, but they were very much, this is our hardest one, good luck. Yeah, and they we also, don't I don't anticipate. think they know. Like, the staff lady probably only worked today, so she sure. was like, nobody's beaten it today. So. Well, that's true. She didn't work previous days they probably wouldn't know yeah it was fun though it was a good cool. time it was a good quality one the components other than the cheap lock were good mm-hmm. uh and it was it was a great time so we wrapped that up with a delicious meal of more meat than we should have eaten and then we hopped on a plane back to greenville where we uncomfortably slept for <laughs> no i think the worst part of the plane ride was we're will and jonah were texting us before takeoff and like all the funny stuff we're just having a great time texting back and forth with me and Chantel. And then all of a sudden they send us this message that was like, oh no, somebody on the plane just starts saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we're like, what? (laughs) Is your plane going to like blow up? Like what is, is there a unibomb around your plane? What is going on? They're like, we were a little freaked out. I don't know what that was about. But I've never been on a plane where somebody like, completely freaked out right before takeoff <laughs> mm. fun funs we survived and we made it back and it was a good time so we'll be looking forward to hanging out at some other conventions with i think genius games probably but as well as just a bunch of other conventions uh i think as i said it was a, a buyer's show so not the most fun i also realized that you can't go to any other show the week after tantrum con and expect to be wowed that's I mean, true tantrum con is where it's at and with that, I think we should wrap up this episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll join you in another two weeks. So be ready to listen then. Until then, have fun, play some games. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Tantrum House Board Game Podcast. If you liked any part of this at all, find and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and tantrumhouse.com. 
Like us, share us, email us, call us, or send us a postcard to Tantrum House, 306 Berry Drive, that's B-A-R-R-Y, Greer, South Carolina, 29650.